Okay. Um. All right. Oh, we're recording. Yeah, I'll cut it all out. Don't trip, though. All right, let's do it. <clears throat> you have a button for that. Um. <laughs> all right. I'm not getting fine. It's pre-show, so you can't find me. They ask me what I do and who I do it for And how I come up with this shit up in the studio All I want for my birthday is a big booty hoe All I want for my birthday It is the Two Gods and the Goose podcast Keith and Sham with you Really? Hold on, hold on This is a special podcast I hear the music, really? It's special. It, this this one is real special, guys. Keith turns fifty five today, and it's it's amazing because he doesn't look a day over forty five. I mean, this listen I, before the podcast, I was like, Shame, you could pick the intro music. Don't tell me what it is. This is what it is. It's appropriate, man. You like you're in Miami. You could probably actually get this stuff if you really wanted to. I have my sippy cup, my uh, scissor cup. Yeah, Keith's over here drinking out of a, a styrofoam cup, probably full of purple, purple drink. drink. I'm over here, a little bit more classy, in a nice like glass with some ice, a little lemon, a little vodka, a little Tito's. He put on his slippers before we did this show. It is cold, man. It is yeah, real cold. We're, we're uh, on FaceTime, obviously. If you, you didn't catch episode one, go listen. But, you know, we are on FaceTime. We're not in the same city. Uh, and and we're going to do the podcast. And so I FaceTimed you and you were outside. And you were worrying about 25 layers. And, you know, I'm in a short sleeve shirt. And I just looked at you and I'm like, you just look cold, man. And the best part was I only had to just walk like maybe... 10 steps to where my dog kind of does his business and then come back in. But even those 10 steps are just, yeah. Shout out to Finn, by the way. Uh, so episode two, we're doing this again. Uh, shout out to everybody that listened, um, to episode one. We got a lot of good feedback. Um, shout out to my mom for loving the podcast and telling us that she loved it. She loved ask sham. That was her favorite part of the entire podcast. Uh, and they can find us on iTunes now and stitcher. And Stitcher. Make sure you leave those five-star reviews. Yep. If they can go higher than five-star, leave the six- and seven-star reviews. We're, we appreciate it. And if you have one-star review, you know, add us. Add us and maybe just keep <laughs> maybe. it to yourself because we ain't about that life. So I wanted to start, obviously, um, in the NBA. All-star announcements were uh, announced last week. Uh, there's some snubs. I have, um, I'm very worked up about a certain snub. Uh, but I wanted to get your reaction to some of the all-star announcements. It's a new uh, format this year. We, before the show, you were kind of explaining the whole breakdown of it to me again, because I'm still a little confused how this uh, is all going to work out. Um, but clearly between the two teams, LeBron's team looks like the stronger team, in my opinion. So, um, you know, I want to get your, your your reaction to the all-star announcements. You know, I there are the like the usual cast of suspects that always appear in the all-star game you know steph curry james harden lebron kevin durant um the two bigs in new orleans anthony davis demarcus cousins those are all starters um and i actually like the way they did the format this year where the lebron and steph kind of drafted their own teams and i really wish they would have televised it it would have been really funny. yeah I, I still don't get the concept of why they didn't I understand hurt feelings, whatever, but uh, let's backtrack a little bit. Explain the format, the new format for those who are kind of still confused by it. Yeah, so for those who didn't really 
have not been following what's been going on. The starters were voted in by the fans, and I, I, I believe the media had some input there. And the same with the reserves. The reserves were voted in by the media, and it put them in the, like a pool of players where LeBron James was the captain of one team and Steph Curry was the captain of the other. And they one by one picked their teams for the All-Star game. So it's no longer East and West. It's kind of a mixture of everybody, which kind of makes it a little bit more interesting, in my opinion. Steph Curry's team right now is Giannis onto the Bumbo, onto the Kunpo. That's a fine. That is a fine. That is a $5 fine right there. Fine. Giannis. G- that's another fine. That's $5 more. That's $10 already. We just got started. <laughs> I don't even have that much money, bro. Okay, so Giannis, Steph, uh, DeMar DeRozan, who, by the way, that's that's a uh, first time as a starter, correct, for DeMar? Uh, I believe so. And he's a USC Trojan, just like to play, put that out there as well? He was. I didn't know that. Yeah, Embiid, uh, Harden, uh, and then the bench on Team Steph would be Jimmy Butler, Dre Green, uh, Al Horford, Dame Lillard, Kyle Lowry, Clay Thompson, and Cat. Um, no, he's going with shooters in this lineup. He's got Lowry. He got a lot of wings. All shooters. In my opinion, what he should do is just have Steph, Demar, Joel Embiid, and Harden just stand on the outside and make it rain threes and let Giannis work in the middle. Do some pick and roll. Run down LeBron's team so we can kind of you know for those that don't know. All right, so uh, LeBron's team has LeBron, Boogie Cousins, Anthony Davis, Kevin Durant, the Snake. And uh, Kyrie Irving, which I thought was interesting. They both are on the same team, LeBron and Kyrie. And also they have like, you know, they have Russell Westbrook and KD on the same team. Um, so it'll be a little bit interesting to see the little riffs um, on that on that squad and see how they all work together. And the bench. To- all right. So the bench is LaMarcus Aldridge, the most probably the second most boring player in the All-Star game right now. Bradley Beal, Kevin Love, Victor Oladipo, Porzingis. John Wall, who, sh- who honestly shouldn't have been an all-star, and Russell Westbrook. Yeah, I mean, I think with the LaMarcus thing, you know, we kind of discussed it. LaMarcus is not really an all-star game guy. You know, he's a back-to-the-basket traditional. I would even say Al Horford has some of this as well. They're just not all-star guys. Like, you know, it's a very fast pace. They're taking a lot of threes, not a lot of defense played. There's not a lot of slowed-down half-court offense in the all-star game. But, you know, with Kevin Love, he's going to run in transition and bomb threes and uh, Przingis is probably going to be the same thing. Draymond will probably take nine threes and make one of them. Even Cat has some distance to his um, to his game, but yeah, I mean, I think you know the they definitely went with two different you know styles. I, I mean, I looking at this at this list right now. I mean, LeBron's starting lineup is going to destroy Steph's. It's not going to be close. I don't know about that. It'll be a good game, I think, and Lamarcus Aldridge definitely won't won't help at all. Yeah, it's going to be a really good game. But you look at LeBron's starting lineup, DeMarcus and um, Ant Davis, they play together in New Orleans, so that chemistry is already there. And then the other three on LeBron's team are just, they're killers. So, you know, I, I don't I don't see how this is going to be very close with the starters. Now, I'll give you Team Steph. The bench is stronger, in my opinion. They should be able to do a little bit more damage and make up for the huge lead that, they're, that the starters are going to give up. But... Yeah, it should be a good game. It's, it's interesting. This format is really interesting. But yeah, LeBron would definitely, for me, LeBron gets the, you know, wins that GM battle between him and Steph. I mean, he has experience being a GM as well, so. You see how I laid that up right there for you? I was like, a lay, that was a lob right there. Speaking of LeBron, uh, I saw that, you know, on our show sheet, you have a LeBron, you need to hit a LeBron hot take. See, now, let me let everyone behind this, behind the curtain, uh, 
Sham is, is already obsessed with the sounder. He gets the fire underneath it. And so he's going to try to do this as many times during the show as possible. You know, he loves his hot takes automatically, but now that he has the sounder and the fire underneath it, you know, when I was, when I was producing the show last week, he, you know, he texts me more fire. Can we add more uh, hot take sounder elements and whatever? So I'm going to have to reel him in, but LeBron hot take. I'm interested. Everyone obviously is at the edge of their seats waiting for your LeBron hot take. So let's hit the sounder and let's get it popping. Yep. Give it to me. Now it's time give it to me. For the sham God to give you that real hot take. Thank you. All right. So here's my hot take. LeBron James isn't going anywhere with the Cavaliers. He's leaving. That's not the hot take. This is a fact. He's not staying. There's no reason for him to stay. Is he going to spend his final years in the NBA playing with Isaiah Thomas with one hip, Tristan Thompson with a bunch of money and nothing to show for it, Kevin Love? Yeah, Kevin Love. Here's here's how I think LeBron should handle himself for the next, you know, in the next month. Step one, make it known to the Cleveland front office that you want to be traded. Now, he has a no-trade clause. He can waive it. Just make it known to the front office that he wants to be traded, and here's why. LeBron cares a lot about his his ego and the way people think about him. So he left Cleveland the first time. Cleveland had nothing to show for it, was left decimated as a franchise, got multiple number one picks out of it just for being, you know, for being inept. And then he went to Miami, and then after his time in Miami, won a couple championships, he went and came back to Cleveland. And although Miami is a better organization than Cleveland was, they were kind of left picking up the pieces after he left as well. And both fan bases at the time despised LeBron. So if he decides to trade himself, then, yeah, because he's the GM. He's the GM. If he decides to trade himself, he, one, not only will break free from Cleveland six months early, he will also save face. Because as opposed to him leaving, he will be giving the franchise something in return to build off of. So your hot take was basically that LeBron is leaving Cleveland. No, my hot take is that LeBron should trade himself away from Cleveland as opposed to just walking away. And you are aware of the news that's been rumored out there that Dan Gilbert is looking to move the team. And there's no coincidence he's trying to move the team right now before they lose however hundred millions of dollars when LeBron leaves and the team's value drops. You are aware of that report, correct? Yeah. So you think Cleveland is going to, this is going to happen because LeBron is the general manager of this, of this ball club? That's right. All right. There we are. Your podcast hates us because they ain't us. Uh, so I saw um, on Twitter that you got yourself involved in another tweet-eating bet. Um, I didn't see any context to the situation. As your friend, I'm instantly worried about you because of the last fiasco. What are we doing here? So, yeah, I did it again. Basically, Oliver Maroney, um, he writes for Dime Up Rocks um, or Slam Magazine. One of those magazines, he, he tweeted out and said, Once again, I do not believe the Warriors will be in the, N- in the NBA Finals this year. They're incredible and no disrespect meant. I just think there are teams in the Western Conference that could finally put it together for four games and beat them. Just my opinion. So I think he is so wrong that I decided to bring back what I'm known for. 2018, New Year, save me. You have like 1,400 
Twitter followers, and they're basically what you would say 90% follow you for your paper shenanigans? That's right. Okay. So you said what in response? So I said, I'll print out your tweet and eat it if you're correct. We're walking down this, this same path that we walked down last time. Now, I will say, I think you're safe here. Of course I'm safe. Oh, I thought I was safe last year, too, to be honest. Yeah, I, I, that was a 50-50. This one, I'm feeling much more confident. But nonetheless, I feel like uh, we need to talk to a professional about this. So we decided to contact a professional, the physician here in Minneapolis, Dr. Herman Chu. Hey, Doc, what's going on? Hey, guys. Thanks for having me on the show. Doc, thanks for thanks for being on with us. Uh, you're making this whole entire podcast way too smart, way too fast. I'm way out of my <laughs> league right now. I don't know about that, but we'll see. <laughs> so, so let me ask you real quick, Doc. How many years have you been doing this? I've uh, been a doctor now for seven years. All right. So in your seven years of doing this, have you seen anybody eat paper before? You know, you're probably the first person. And uh, you, know, you and I caught the Pistons game a few weeks ago, and you seem pretty normal. But I'm starting to wonder about you, Sham. Um, <laughs> it almost seems like you you just kind of want to do this. It's not that I want to do it. It's just that I, I feel like I have to appeal to my fans. You know, I have 1,400 something followers, and I think about 1,300 of those follow me for the paper uh, reasons. So it is is what I did healthy because I heard there's a lot of fiber in there, and paper is made from trees, and, <laughs> and uh, you know that's like salad, isn't it? Is it part of your new uh, paleo diet or something like that? <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm gonna play doctor here. And uh, did you guys know there's actually a medical term for paper eating? I would be lying to you if I said I didn't, but I did some research today, knowing we were gonna have you on, and I and I did learn that today, Doc. That's the news <laughs> to me. What's it called? Xylophagia. Are you diagnosing me? Probably. I'm going to play armchair diagnostician here, and uh, you have xylophagia. It's this uh, condition where you have a craving to eat inedible objects like paper. I don't it's have a form of. For it. <laughs> I think you do. You keep making these bets. <laughs> yeah, this is the second time, Sham. Like clearly, there's something we need to address. It's a pattern. Once is you know you can write that off. Twice becomes a pattern. Sham, he's a doctor, man. He's telling you. I yeah I, yeah can't really argue with that then. So what yeah. is it? Zygomedia? What is it? <laughs> Xylophagia. Xylophonia. <laughs> I'm going to tell you something that's going to be very funny to everyone. I, I researched this today because we I knew we were having you on, Doc, and yeah. I wrote down on the I read it on the internet. I read what it was, the definition, and I wrote down xylophobia. That, that was what I wrote down. Afraid of xylophones. Xylophones. <laughs> well, Sham, I, I'm a little bit worried about you, though, because with xylophagia, it's linked to some other medical conditions like, you know, iron deficient anemia, Mental retardation, schizophrenia, OCD, and other mental health disorders. So now I got to watch out for you, Sham. It all makes sense now. Did you just call me obsessive? <laughs> <laughs> My initial question for Sham uh, when he did this was, you know, you can't digest it. So what, I, I, Sham, I don't even know how to ask this, you know, the right way, but it did nothing really came out after you ate it. No, it actually came out whole. I was able to read the tweet afterwards. <laughs> I mean, it was a shitty tweet. <laughs> Dr. Herman Chu with us on Two Gods and a Goose podcast. Uh, I wanted to transition because I know you're a Piston fan, um, and I know Sham can kind of piggyback off of this. He, he's been um, an opponent at times of the Piston training staff, and you know we kind of want to get your take on some of their, I guess Sham would call it blunders or things that have gone down. Uh, we've had some injuries and stuff, so kind of want to get your take on that. Yeah, I mean, doesn't it seem like there's like 
just a lot of like nagging recurring injuries these days, more so than the past. I mean, like Stanley Johnson had that hip injury early on in the season, and now it came back, and then now he's officially back on the court for good. But who's to say it's not going to happen again? I know Reggie Jackson had his whole knee, the knee injury up until this point. Um, last year, if you remember, KCP had a shoulder injury that was nagging him the entire year. And if you if you go back to his game log, you can see the difference actually in production post injury versus pre injury. And it just it just worries me that you know these these are very young players, and if they continue to get injured, I just feel like it's not really good for their health and development as people. And then. Definitely as athletes. Yeah, remember back in the uh, going to work Pistons days with Arnie Kander and Mike Abdenauer? Like, I don't really remember this many nagging injuries back then. It seemed like with Arnie, you know, if somebody got hurt, he rubbed some magic sauce on it and everybody, they were out in the third quarter and everybody was okay. So, you know, I think some of it probably is we were a little spoiled with Arnie, but... Yeah, I remember Arnie Kander using, like, just weird, kind of funny treatments. He did it one time. Uh, he was frozen banana peels on Chauncey Billups hamstring injuries and so what is the I guess either one of you guys could maybe help me with this what is the process in you know becoming a trainer like that and you know I mean because you've seen you kind of you guys were kind of talking and it made me think about another team that you know really had a lot of injury thing that may have derailed a potential dynasty in Portland with Brandon Roy and Greg Odin and Things that, you know, I remember Brandon Roy having the meniscus surgery and playing eight days after having some meniscus taken out of his knee. And it just seemed like those are decisions that the training staff, I mean, you know, they'd be safe with and not make those type of decisions. That's the thing, though. I think I think now um, we're seeing a lot of you know, teams trying to, like, rush their players back on the court. And it's in the, you know, in the best interest of winning. And I'm not sure if that's necessarily the best course of action because, like we see with Avery Bradley now, you know, he was hurt for a good, like, a long time, and then he played, like, 35 minutes that one night, and then after the game, he's like, well, yeah, I'm going to go see a specialist now. So it, it just makes me wonder if, if these training staffs, like, have the best interests of the player in mind versus the team. Yeah, and I wonder, I wonder how much of, you know, the front office, how much of their hands are in those type of things, you know, using that Brandon Roy situation as an example eight days after, I mean, I can't see a trainer saying with a straight face, hey, you know, you can play eight days after having meniscus surgery. Um, so, you know, I, I sometimes wonder how much of the front office is involved in some of those decisions. I also wonder a little bit about the players themselves um, telling the training staff maybe what they want to hear in terms of availability to play. Um, you got Avery Bradley now, who's uh, going to be a free agent, right? So what if he wants to really get back into action and you know, pick up his nice next big contract by playing well. So he's he might be, you know, itching to get back on the court. Right. And everyone's pain threshold at the same time may be different. And some guys, you know, I mean, Kobe, I mean, he shot free throws with a Achilles tear. And, you know, I mean, he's you have different thresholds for different people. But I, I guess for me, you would think the buck stops with the training staff. You know, you, you can tell him till you're blue in the face. Hey, I can go out there. I can do this, blah, blah, blah. But if you're not, if the trainer's not clearing you, you know, it's kind of like your doctor clearing you to run. If you can't, if he says you can't run, you had a knee injury or something, you're not running until the doctor clears you. Sometimes with these injuries, it's somewhat difficult to have a really objective look at, is this person 100%? A lot of times it looks like someone might be 100%, but if, you know, someone is kind of downplaying like a nagging kind of sensation of something hurts, you know, it, it's a little bit harder from a, medical doctor's perspective to say 
yes, you know, or no. Uh, it all depends on you know each individual player too. That's an interesting point. And so just kind of like move on to like the Pistons in general. They're a team that's now in ninth place in the East, and they've been you know kind of struggling since Reggie Jackson went out. Doesn't it just seem like uh, we've just been on this like proverbial treadmill for a while? I mean, you do well for a little while, you know, things look kind of on the up and up, and then something happens, and then all of a sudden we're fighting for the eighth or ninth spot possibly getting sneaking into the playoffs or missing it entirely. I'm a little worried because, you know, where is the, what's the game plan going to be? You know, we don't really have good hopes for high draft picks. We're not a free agent, you know, destination. Our salary cap situation looks kind of handcuffing. You know, I don't think there's a lot of flexibility to take on contracts or anything like that in a good deal. And then, you know, what are you left with, you know, drafting well? And then you see players like, you know, Diamond Mitchell, Devin Booker and all his players that could have been Pistons and they're all having a lot of success in different teams. But I guess I suppose, you know, a lot of other fans could say the same way, say, say the same thing too. So it just seems a little, you know, stuck in the mud kind of thing. Dr. Herman Chu with us on the Two Guys and a Goose podcast. Uh, I did have a question uh, with respect to the Reggie Jackson thing. We've obviously seen, you know, the impact that that's had, you know, with losing him. Uh, and, and I asked Sham this question, but I guess you're the best guy that could answer this question. I guess it's two questions. Do we think that the Valentine's Day-ish return date that's kind of been put out there, is that realistic, A? And B, is his recovery going to be similar to last year where you know he had the knee spinning situation and he really wasn't able to have that bounce he had before? This is obviously a different injury. You know, are we... Is can the bounce be back when he's good? I mean, are we going to see some of the similar things we saw last year? Well, I think the official injury report said he had a grade three ankle sprain, I believe, and that's probably the the worst kind of ankle sprain you can have, where you have uh, pretty much a total disruption of all the lateral ligaments. So it's a long recovery process, anywhere from six to twelve weeks, just to get back onto the court. And then I'm not sure what timeline that puts us on, whether it's um, February or whatever but you know after you do come back there's also the physical and mental aspects of such an injury too um your balance system kind of goes out of whack your proprioceptive uh, proprioception system is way out of whack so you might feel a little unbalanced um i'm not sure if reggie's going to be the same player mentally like he he might not have the same confidence in his cuts and his uh you know planting his feet and driving so i'm a little worried that uh he, he probably will be even less of a player when he when he gets back. Um, and with you know grade three ankle sprains, you also run the risk of having chronic and persistent ankle instabilities that might last months after the rehab. So uh, a little concerning. Yeah, I imagine the mental aspect is a big you know plays in a huge role in that you know to an extent where if you can you know you want to especially when you're a change of pace guard like he is where you're trying to get downhill and even hitting the ankle, you know, and you're probably in the back of your mind, like, is it going to hold up? Is it going to, you know, am I going to have issues or whatever? So I, I think that aspect is probably something that he's really going to have to, you know, fight and get through. Since the ankle injury is on the others, I, I believe it's his right foot and his, his knee injuries have been on his left knee. Do you think that this ankle injury in a way could cascade into more of a knee knee problem because he's been favoring it and whatnot once he actually does return to the court? I guess if you're not totally confident in your ankle, you might 
you know, uh, inadvertently without even knowing it, alter your gait when you're running, your running mechanics might be altered. And that can just lead to other chronic issues where you're setting your body up for injury by not running properly because you're worried about your ankle. So there could be issues that, you know, stem from this, you know, causing hip problems or knee problems and different things like that too. So yeah, it's a, it's a bit of a concern. Again, Dr. Herman Chu on with us, Two Gods and a Goose podcast. Uh, I wanted to end uh, with some rapid fire questions. You know, we have some um, questions we've got off social media, uh, some actually really interesting questions. Um, so you down for some some rapid fire questions? Bring them on. Okay. Uh, the first question comes from me. Uh, if you had to eat a pound of no- a non-food item, a pound of it in a day, what would the best item be? <laughs> uh, paper tweets. <laughs> All right. So the second question comes from um, Lance Dahl is the guy's name. Um, the question is, knowing what we know about the dangers of modern day football, will the sport go extinct? My hot take, yes, I think it will, but probably not for a long time. Uh, I'm thinking maybe decades or generations. It's just so popular for sport here, yes, in the States. And uh, if I were to ever have a child, I don't think there's any way I would let it uh, play football. Um, maybe I'd let it play like competitive badminton or ping pong or something. But uh, but then again, I'd probably be the type of father that would want to wrap my kid up in a bubble before setting him up to play. But yeah, I think it's going to be a sport that's going to see a decline in participation over the next years to decades uh the the third question comes from me again uh if you were to eat paper and i guess this is kind of in the sham sham god uh uh arena if you were to eat paper what would be the best kind i you know i was thinking newsprint construction toilet paper what would be the best paper to eat if you're going to eat paper toilet paper because it easily it easily breaks down yeah, if you get the extra soft kind. I'm going to give a shout out to our, our official sponsor, Angel Soft. <laughs> Angel Soft. So the uh, fourth question comes from at DMay706. Um, his Twitter handle is, uh, or his tw- Twitter name is Sixerhive. Um, he wanted to know the cause and timetable for recovery for muscular scapula imbalance. Sixerhive, right? Yep. I'm guessing he's referring to the infamous and mysterious Markel Fultz injury, aka scapulothoracic dyskinesis that's the medical term for that um it's a condition where there's abnormal shoulder blade or scapula function and it becomes abnormal the movement becomes abnormal and you end up having pain and dysfunction um there can be many different causes of this actually anywhere from like neurological or nerve injury to having an abnormal spine curvature to muscle injury and fatigue and maybe just like a buildup of ongoing poor mechanics in your sport um, you end up uh, putting different parts of your shoulder under excessive stress and it increases your risk of injury such as torn labrums and rotator cuffs but the kind of sucky thing about this the difficult thing that Sixers fans are seeing is like there's no black or white answer in terms of recovery it could take weeks it could take months or it could be the dreaded you know out indefinitely no timetable to return you just can't really go in and do a surgery to fix it just like that and there's like no magic pill that can just fix it treatments awesome uh, often intensive physical therapy to really retrain your mind body connection retrain your muscles and reprogramming of your faulty mechanics which uh, we may have started seeing with all that stuff with him changing his free throw form yeah we're actually still seeing it there's like videos on twitter right now with him fixing his shooting motion and whatnot uh the next question comes from detroit buckets uh and this is a question i actually I'm interested in as well, and it's why do players wear black tape on their shoulders? It looks cool. 
<laughs> kind of like the uh, the Bane mask that people use to train. <laughs> Have you guys seen that thing before? <laughs> I always see that at the gym, and I wonder what it. That's a breathing contraption of some sort. But what is the what is the end game to wearing the Bane mask? It's. I think it's supposed to like simulate high altitude training to like stimulate oxygen something to for your blood cells. I don't know. It, it's pretty much a sham. I think. Before we let you go, just had just had one last question, and it's just what is your your hottest Pistons take? Hottest Pistons take. Avery Bradley will be traded at the deadline. That's how you do the hot take right there. Uh, Dr. Chu, thank you so much for being on with us. You made us way smarter than the rest of this podcast is going to be. Uh, thank you for being on my birthday podcast. And, uh, you know. Happy birthday. Here's your sweet 16. Happy birthday. Thank you. I appreciate it. <laughs> More like sweet 60. Thank you for being on with us, Doc. Thanks for having me, guys. Podcast. All right, so let's uh, switch gears a little bit because I saw something on your social media that really irked me. I mean, it really, it really set me off. I saw one of your tweets, and I'm going to kind of paraphrase what you said. You said that Pam Beasley Halpert was the worst character on The Office, and I need to hear the explanation. How on earth do you say that? Well, it's for, it's just very simple. Hold on. Give me the sound. Now give it to me. One more time. To give you that real hot thing. Thank you. So, Pam Beasley Halpert, cringeworthy performance in the office. First, first mistake. She is a receptionist, right? She probably doesn't have much schooling. That's why she did the whole art thing, right? She 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 wanted to to better herself. Went to art school. Tried to make a name for herself as an artist. Made everybody come to her art shows bugged everybody in the office. These are just colleagues. They're not family, not friends, just colleagues. That's strike one. Strike two. She complained in one of the seasons about not being a salesperson. She complained so much that she quit and joined Michael Scott in his offshoot little company just because she wanted to be a salesperson. What has she done to deserve to be a salesperson? Nothing. She just complained. That's all she did. Okay. First off, she was a receptionist because she had to pay the bills. Okay. She was a mature adult, okay? Okay. She went to art school on the weekends, at night. That was when she went to art school, pursuing her dream, okay? I just need to know, in a world where Todd Packer exists, in a world where Gabe exists. I like Gabe. In a, in a, in a world where Roy exists, in a world where Robert California exists. In a world where Bob Vance from Vance Refrigerators exists, you are going to say one of the main characters on that show that so many people fell in love with, Jim, Pam, the whole thing, that she was the worst character on the show. That's right. That is a ridiculous take. That is a next level ridiculous take. And your justification made it worse. The fact that you said that with those other characters out there is ridiculous. If you, you can say, listen, What's you can say, Roy? What's wrong with Roy? What is the point of having Roy? What do you mean? What is the point? There's five different characters in the warehouse that are exactly like Roy. What was the need in having Roy? So he could create awkward, weird moments where he didn't appreciate Pam, then he appreciated her when she dropped him. So you could show how much of a snake Jim was and how mean Pam was just to like go behind his back, kiss another guy while they're dating. I mean, you feel the same way. Oh, this is blasphemy. You just you just threw a, a shot at Jim, too? 
Yeah, he's like the Kevin Durant of that office. Oh my god. Just a snake slithering. Slithering in, slithering out. Poor Dwight. Dwight Schrute, best character in the office. Listen, I agree with that. On topic of that, give me your top five. No order. Who are your five best characters on the office? Five best characters. Michael Scott. Okay. Dwight Schrute. Okay. Stanley. Okay. Creed. <laughs> you had me. All, your first three, I had the same three. But you lost me on Creed. Creed's funny, though. I'll give you that. Not my top five. He's not in my top five. Maybe top ten. Top ten. When he sold the, uh, when they thought that Scranton was shutting down, and he sold the uh, equip, uh, the you know the the computers and all the stuff from it. That was one of the best Creed moments to date. But top ten, not top five. Last one. Who's your last one? This one's easy. It's Kevin. And the best scene with Kevin is when he, in the in like one of the intros, he like makes chili. <laughs> and, uh, I remember that. He, yeah. So so Kevin makes chili for the office and keeps it in that same big cauldron that you make chili in. And he trips and he falls and all that chili's all over the carpet. <laughs> Honestly, Kevin Kevin is the type of character, and I've told people this before, Kevin is the type of character where he could just do the confessional type interview and say nothing and just look at the camera and he would still be a top 10 character, in my opinion. Very true. Very true. Uh, in my top five, I had your three. Uh, Michael Scott, obviously. Um, Stanley. Underrated. Stanley is an underrated character. I think a lot of people would not put him in the top five, and that is absolutely ridiculous. That's as ridiculous as your Pam is the worst character in the history of the show take. Obviously, I'm doing uh, Dwight, Stanley, Michael Scott. Here are my other two. Obviously, Jim Halpert. That's not even debatable. Don't even don't at me on that one. The other one, and I think I think I know you pretty well. I think that you're going to regret not putting this guy in the top five. Underrated character and top five for me. Daryl Philbin. I mean, he's all right. He's on the outside looking in. He's the Andre Drummond of my list. The, the 30 and 24, five assists. Don't get me started. First off, Andre Drummond should have been in the All-Star game. It's absolutely ridiculous that he wasn't in the All-Star game. And I am not that guy. I am not the... I don't care about All-Star games. I'd rather have him be All-NBA, things that actually matter, as opposed to running up and down the court and catching some lobs. Let me tell you something, though, about this Andre Drummond didn't get in the All-Star game thing. He leads the NBA in rebounding. He's second in 15-15 games and 20-20 games. Fourth among guys his size in assists. Second among guys his size in steals. He leads all players with 1,000-plus minutes in defensive rating. Okay, He's averaging 14, as of today, 14 points, 15 rebounds, 4 assists, shooting 55%. What He's shooting 60-something percent from, from the free throw line. The biggest turnaround in history of 30%. basketball. Yeah. Better than Lonzo Ball. Players to average that for a, from the field in a full season. You do, you, do you want me to hit you with the list? You ready for the list? Wilt Chamberlain, kind of good at basketball. Yeah. Jerry Lucas, kind of good at basketball. A guy, you may have heard of him, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Who's that? Kind of good at basketball. Andre Drummond, not an all-star. The most ridiculous snub I've ever seen in an All Star game ever. He he definitely should have been in, um, and this is kind of the issue with um, with breaking apart the guards and everybody else because John Wall really does not did not deserve to be in this year. His numbers were down from the year before, but because he's a guard, he gets in over a a, a big. And you know, Porzingis and Horford both deserve to make it, and B deserve to make it. Giannis deserved to make it. Kevin Love deserved to make it. And Drummond was on the outside looking in because of that, and it's it's really only because he's a he's a big and not a guard. Big guard, whatever. He should have been an all star. It's laughable. He's not NBA 
Get over yourself. Because they ain't us. Okay, so speaking of all-star snubs and all-star talk and basketball talk, uh, we're going to go into something now. Everyone's kind of familiar with this show, uh, The Goose. Everyone's follow, follow him at Hot Take Goose on Twitter. Uh, he is the mascot. He is the hot take master. Okay. Uh, he, each week he's going to make picks. He was supposed to be here this week, Sham. Uh, it's my, it is my birthday, obviously. Uh, I'm headed to the Keys. He's going apparently as well to the Keys, so he took off this afternoon. Uh, so in place of him, we're kind of running around. Uh, we have our boy, David Fernandez, Detroit Bad Boys, the uh, Inside the Cylinder podcast. Everyone knows David if you follow Shamari on Twitter. He's a phenomenal uh, follow on Twitter, at the Financiala. Uh, David, what up, buddy? Hey, what's up? I'm happy to be one of the, the first guests, and uh, happy uh, 55th, 56th birthday? What are we working with here? Yeah, you guys are ridiculous, man. This is this is absolutely ridiculous. So, David, I'm, I'm Sham, you, right before you, you came on, Sham pissed me off with the conversation about All-Star snubs, and I'm really upset about this Andre Drummond snub from the All-Star game. And, and I, I was telling Sham, I don't really get upset. I, I care more about the All-NBA teams rather than all-star games i don't care if andre runs up and down the court and catches lobs in a stupid all-star game uh, i'd rather him rest but not making the all-star team with the numbers he's had this year is ridiculous so you know wanted to get your reaction to the all-star teams in general and then you know with the andre snub i'm i'm hoping you're as irritated as i am about that yeah i mean i, I talked about this uh, on on my podcast uh few i guess it was kind of like the first month of the season i had him in as like one of the only surefire guys which was kind of gracious because the other two were, were Giannis and lebron um but i thought just with his numbers and with at least the way that the pistons were playing at that time that there was like a no doubter that he would definitely get in um and and even after the tumble you know i thought that you know with all of the defensive metrics that some guys care about others don't but the just the the kind of the gaudy stats that he's been able to produce and obviously the 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 assist totals and that he's tripled quadrupled or something at this point uh compared to his previous career averages and obviously the free throws that we all know about i thought it was a, a no brainer that he'd get in but um you know i'm upset i'm upset because honestly you're right about the whole all-star thing. Like it doesn't really matter with the game, but when people look at, at at guys' careers, they do look at all-star games, like all-star selections and how many times they made it to a team to kind of, you know, put them up on what, whatever type of ranking list or if the, if he ever, you know, is in Hall of Fame type of conversation. That stuff is actually kind of important. So, um, you know, I, I was upset about the snub. I thought it, I thought it was pretty whack. Yeah, and I think that's some of my frustration as well because when you look back, you know, you look people's always look at All Star and go, okay, he was a six time All Star, a five time All Star, whatever. And I'm like, look, the on the fence ones, I don't really care about those ones. But this thing, Andre Drummond is an All Star, guys. I mean, he is he is up in every category. I mean, you know, the defensive end. I mean, he he's gone from eh. To really good defender. It's going to be hard for Andre Drummond to be getting these. You were talking about the the first team, second team, third team type of stuff. Like that's going to be it's going to be very difficult for him to get one of those slots, even though they have the center position. Just looking at some of the guys that are ahead of him right now, with you know, you look at Boogie, you look at Cat, you look at AD and um, Joel Embiid, obviously. Um, it'll be much more difficult for him to get some of those moving forward than it would be for him to kind of get lumped up into these all-star teams. So, yeah, I agree. I mean, I think 
I think it is going to be difficult for him, especially you know, given the Pistons' position in terms of like winning. Um, you know, the 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 guys who were chosen ahead of him, like Kevin Love, Al Horford, those guys are on winning teams. Porzingis is a popular guy, and kind of having him in there attracts a whole different set of, of fans. And that's why I personally, in my personal record book, I don't. I don't really care about all-star appearances or all-star games. Like, it doesn't really matter to me because it it's just a popularity contest. Uh, real quick, just a yes or no to both of you guys. If the Pistons can get Kemba Walker, for instance, and we're just living in a hypothetical world right now, Kemba Walker, and they have to take on the Batum contract, and I'm not doing the trade machine right now, but say it gives us, we have to give up Stanley and a future first. Yes or no? Do you guys make that trade right now, David? I don't think so because you look at it long term. You that leverage that that pretty much just puts nails in the coffin for any type of move that I can kind of see. I don't, I don't have like the the numbers pulled up in front of me, but that's going to hurt your chances at, at Tobias Harris. And I know I'm a little bit warmer on Tobias Harris than Elise Sham. I, I don't really know Keith what what your thoughts are on him, but um, I think that just hurts your, your, your chances at, at bringing him back by any means. So then you're really going with a core of Batum with, with Kemba and Dre. And, and I'm super intrigued by a Kemba Dre combination. I think that could be deadly, but, um, I don't know. You're thinking you're talking a first and Stanley Johnson. Like people forget Stanley Johnson's 21 years old. I would not be shocked if he I'm not saying he's Jimmy Butler 2.0, but I would not be shocked if he's able to finesse his way into like a solid 14 points per game and just a dirty defender. And that's just something that's, you know, if you can put a guy on a Giannis, on a LeBron James, on a Kevin Durant, not that they're going to stop him, but if you can actually have someone that's able to guard these guys respectfully, then that's just so tough. Sham, do you do that trade? I do it. Kemba Walker and Dre combination is deadly. And I think it's deadly enough for me to want to mortgage at least a near, be like, like a near future, like 2018, 2019 first round pick and Stanley. Cause Honestly, I don't see the same offensive potential that you do, David. But I, but I, I do see the defensive potential there, and I also think that Tobias Harris has kind of reached his ceiling. I don't know how much better he'll really get. I don't know what he could really add to his game that he's shown inklings of that you know he could really elevate and and evolve as a, into a different player. Um, so yeah, I I I do that deal, and also I don't think Batum Batum will never live up to the contract that he has. But I do think he'll be better on the Pistons than he will be than he is on the on the Hornets. He's not right the now. worst contract in the league. Like Batum isn't. It's a bad contract, but it's not the worst contract. Like when he got that, it was one of those times where it was like, all right, this is like the money. Like this is like the the free agency summer where people are just going bananas with their money, and Batum was a beneficiary of that. But it's not like I mean, it's bad. It's one twenty mil, but it, it's it's not the worst worst contract. Like he did look like he was going to earn that at least when he signed it what we've kind of learned here is neither one of you guys understands the concept of yes or no quick quick answers <laughs> uh, just for the uh just for the sake of argument uh, i'm with david on this i probably don't make the trade but i don't make the trade because the batum contract is ridiculous and i don't see the massive upside now i will say stanley johnson you guys are much more excited about him than i am moving forward because he can't shoot but i'm kind of with david on this uh and i don't make that trade 
to uh, kind of reset. David Fernandez of De uh, Detroit Bad Boys inside the cylinder with us. He's killing it on here like we knew he would. Uh, D, are you ready to do the Goose's picks, man? This is a big chair you're stepping into here. You know you're familiar with the Goose at Hot Take Goose on Twitter. This is a big deal right here. Are you ready to do these picks? <laughs> Hot Take Goose kind of gives me nightmares. So, like, yeah, let's let's do it. Okay, so this is super fast. You know, we're going to give you our, our two cents on things, but this is a rapid fire. We need the quick picks. Okay. We need not a lot of thinking, just hot take. And if you have any opinions on, on the any of these games, you can give the quick hot take. So you ready? Let's do it. Now it's time for the Goose's Picks of the Week. All right, so the Goose Picks, this is where a random guest will pick five games from a random sport. Are you ready, David Fernandez of Detroit Bad Boys and Inside the Cylinder podcast? Are you ready? Let's go. First game. Bangladesh versus Sri Lanka. It's a final match. Bangladesh is negative two. Who are you taking? Oh, give me Sri Lanka all day. Australia and England, fifth ODI. Australia is minus 1.5. Ooh. I mean, give me the motherland that made Australia. I'll take England. Pakistan, I know their D. Their front seven looks strong. Yeah, you know, I, I've, I've been on the Australia train for a while. Um, they're a young team, great defense, um, really <laughs> smacks those balls. I would probably go Australia here, but I definitely respect your decision. Uh, South Africa versus India, first ODI, which is a big thing. That's that's a major. The first ODI is a huge part. Uh, South Africa, the South Africans rather are minus two. Who are you going with, David? Uh, man, I'm, I guess I'm just feeling the, the underdogs. But give me India. Yeah, India's de India's front front defensive. Their front four is fantastic. I mean, they're they're suffocating on the defensive end. I see a long one too. That's gonna be that's not gonna be a short. That's not gonna be a short match. That's the correct term. I actually agree with that a ton. Uh, next game, New Zealand against Pakistan is the third T20I. So that's a huge aspect of this. Uh, New Zealand is negative one. Who are you taking? Uh, I mean, I just watched uh, the, the Big Sick. So my man Kumail Njari, I'm sure I might be butchering his last name, but he's Pakistani, so I'm taking Pakistan. Yeah, Kumail, is one, he's definitely my favorite player. I have three of his jerseys. He's fantastic. <laughs> he's I mean, he is, basically, he is basically the LeBron James of that league. Let me tell you, it's fantastic. So I'm glad that you took that because I was literally going to go at you if you didn't take them right True. there. Okay, so uh, Afghanistan and Zimbabwe, it's the first T20I, so that obviously... Uh, their first look at each other. Uh, Zimbabwe is negative one. Who are you taking? But what they do in the last friendly, like back in '65. Afghanistan is never <laughs> <With> friendly. <goodness. laughs> the hot take goose. I thought he wasn't here. Zimbabwe, yeah. Oh, Give too. me Zimbabwe. That's the that's the, the crescent, the, the fertile crescent. Yeah, I'm abs I'm absolutely taking the Zimbabwe's Ian's on that one for sure. Yeah, I'm I'm all about um, Elton Chigumbura. He is a sleeper. He's a sleeper. Don't uh, also, don't sleep on Malcolm Waller or Tendai Chitara. Do you got them in your D DFS and your daily fantasy? Like, do you scoop them on, on like the on like that last pick? No, like I said, I'm all about Australia. I have I have the majority of Australia. No, Tendai actually, on there. Sham in in our fantasy league, he tried to give me uh, offer me Tendai last week, but he wanted too many picks for that. I, I was like, you know, too many players. I was I wasn't having that. I love Tendai. He's in my top five players in this league, but. Man, listen, I, he asked for too much, man. Sham, Sham's trying to Van Gundy him like he's a magic. Savage. Uh, David Fernandez from Detroit Basketball, Inside the Cylinder. You were even better than we thought. You're our boy. Thank you for coming on, man. We're going to have you back on again, but we appreciate you you hanging out with us on the, uh, on the shit show today. Oh, hey, man. Thanks for having me on. This was a lot of fun. Two Gods and the Goose Podcast.
Okay, so as you guys know, we end every show with a segment, uh, Ask Sham. It's my mom's favorite segment of the podcast. Uh, Sham, you ready? You got you got your hot takes ready? You got your rapid fire ready? I'm locked and loaded, ready to go. Okay. Yeah. All right, ask Sham. You know what this is? Rapid fire. We need your uh, your your opinion. You can ask these questions at Sham Sham God on Twitter. Uh, first question. This is this is one that I'm I'm very interested in. The XFL is coming back. They're shortening games. They're employing no one with a criminal record. They're requiring players to stand for the national anthem. National anthem. Make America great again. I mean, it sounds conservative, doesn't it? It's all right wing. The XFL is coming back, but who the hell cares? Shorter games, who wants to see that? More head injuries, nobody wants to see that. No other criminal record, I want only criminals to play in this. Requiring players to stand for the national anthem, dumb. Make America worse again. XXX Tentation, something named that, said he is better than Tupac, is he right? There is no way a porn star is better than Tupac. Give me Pac. Would you take Oklahoma sharpshooter Trey Young number one in the NBA draft this June? Nope, I would take Luka Doncic. Dunkage. Are the Eagles better with Nick Foles? No. Carson Wentz is way better. Is Donald Trump, aka David Dennison, actually 239 pounds? If he's 239 pounds, I'm 120 pounds. So no, I'm not. And he's not. He's fat. He's real fat. If you had to choose one of these animals to defend you, uh, which would you pick, okay? Now I want you to listen to this. 50 Eagles, three bears, four lions, seven bulls, 10 gators, okay? You went to the University of Miami, you're familiar with gators, or 10,000 rats. All right, so I'm gonna knock them off one by one. Um, 10,000 rats, there's no chance I'm trusting 10,000 Kevin Durants um, to defend me. Um, 10 gators, even with 11 gators, they don't do anything on the football field. Seven bulls, they'll just punch each other and end up in the, in the bottom of the Eastern Conference. No thanks. Four lions, yeah, they defend pretty well for about half the season and then miss the playoffs or something. Three bears, come on. When you're led by a fox, three bears ain't gonna cut it. Give me 50 eagles. Did the Philadelphia 76ers break Markel Fultz? Uh, they might have not broken Markel Fultz, but they definitely didn't help mend him back together. Who has more connections? Sham or Shams? I got a bone to pick with Shams, okay? Shams, Shams Charania on Twitter, the uh, the the child of Adrian Wojnarowski, second-rate news source, terrible. First of all, Woj is way better. Second of all, I'm way better. And who has more connections? Obviously not Shams because he was wrong about the dunk contest thing. Dennis Smith Jr. was reported by Shams to be in the dunk contest, and turns out he didn't accept anything. So Shams was flat wrong. I have never been wrong. I'm obviously way better, and I have way more connections. You mentioned uh, the Oregon Trail last week. We got a lot of hate mail for your your rant, your uh, hot take on Oregon. Uh, did you care for Scott Ragawowski's Oregon Trail monologue? I don't care about Scott Ranawowski, and I don't care about Portland. I don't care about Oregon. That's where Oliver Maroney, that lying SOB, is from, and I'm going to make him eat his words. Oregon Trail's terrible. Portland's terrible. Go Washington. Air Jordan 3 cements are dropping soon. Are you copping or not? Air Jordan 3 cements. That sounds like the shoes that they would put on suspected witches when they threw them in the ocean or the lakes. <laughs> so, no, I'm not copping. That is Ash Sham. At Sham Sham God on Twitter. Uh,
Uh, get your questions in to him on there. Uh, whatever you want us to, whatever you want, Sham to hot take. Hashtag Ask Sham. Uh, that is episode two. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Sham, let them know where they can get us uh, on iTunes. Let them know the whole thing. Yep, so you can find us on iTunes, Stitcher. Just search in the search tab, Two Gods and a Goose. We should pop up. Kate's face, my face, the goose's face. Make sure you like, comment, subscribe. Give us a five-star rating. Give us the works. Add us on Twitter. Add us on Twitter, uh, at envious 23 at ShamShamGod. We thank you guys for listening. Uh, check us on iTunes. Uh, episode 3 coming soon. 